0: Welcome to the Fairview Baptist Church Discipleship Podcast. This is a resource designed to help the covenant members of Fairview Baptist Church carry out our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Joshua Johnston. Today, I'm joined once again by Mike Keelan. Welcome. Hi, folks. All right. We we started a series on spiritual disciplines a few weeks back, and for our conversation, we've been using Don Whitney's spiritual disciplines for the Christian life to sort of help guide our conversation. So, Mike, today we have a great topic to discuss. Why don't you tell the audience what that is? A uh, Mike? Mike?
1: Oh, Joshua, I'm sorry. I-, I was just practicing today's topic, which is silence and solitude. Mm, very
0: nice. Well... Perhaps before practicing it, uh, let's spend some time talking about it.
1: Fair enough, Josh. I I, I guess we really can't be silent on this topic, can we?
0: Boo. Well, today's topic, it it is a good one, Mike, uh, because I believe in general, uh, it's not talked about enough. Uh, Even here at Fairview, uh, we often talk about reading the Word and memorizing Scripture and prayer, which we certainly should do those things, yet... Uh, I don't believe that we talk near as often about the practice of silence and solitude, which uh, I believe is a very biblical practice.
1: Absolutely, and it's actually one that's very needed. We live our lives with a soundtrack behind us, not even thinking about the need for silence. But C.S. Lewis said, We live, in fact, in a world starved for solitude, silence, and private.
0: So, Mike, uh, when it comes to spiritual disciplines in particular, can you take us through that first part? What is silence?
1: Well, what is silence? That seems to be an obvious answer to that question. But according to Whitney, silence is the voluntary and temporary abstention from speaking so that certain spiritual goals might be sought. Uh, These goals might include reading, writing, praying, meditation, or, or other spiritual disciplines as well. Now, at this point, let me be clear. Just because one is silent doesn't mean that they're trying to empty themselves as if they're practicing some, some form of Eastern meditation. Instead, what should be taking place when we're being silent as a spiritual discipline are uh, internal dialogues between self and God. You know, so as Whitney says, there is an an outward silence so that inwardly God's voice might be heard more clearly. So that silence, in a nutshell, we're going to dig deeper into it in a moment. But before then, Joshua, why don't you tell or explain the concept of, of solitude to our audience? Yes,
0: yeah, sure. So uh, in the same way that you mentioned that silence is, uh, is a temporal thing and it's voluntary, um, Whitney says that solitude is is voluntary and and tempor- temporarily withdrawing to privacy for spiritual purposes. Now the the length of time here is is not near as important as the purpose of of getting away in solitude. And so you might get away for a few minutes or even a few days. The purpose though is to simply be alone with God perhaps to even practice one of the disciplines that we've been talking about, uh, so that you could do it without interruption. Uh,
1: and let me add uh, a thought to to that that Whitney expounds in his book. And when he says this uh, idea of silence and solitude is actually complementary to the disciplines of fellowship with others, um, it is. It is in our silence and our solitude times that we grow in spiritual depth and we then develop a longing for others. And then in our fellowship, we in turn grow in spiritual depth and long to be alone with God. So one discipline edifies the other. It's it's really a wonderful balanced uh, way of living uh, that we're called to live in Christ. So Joshua, what reasons can you give to those listening why they should practice silence and solitude? You know, on the surface, it seems rather monkish, doesn't it?
0: Uh, perhaps. Um it, perhaps it does. Uh, but I, I think when I think of the reason that, that comes to mind, I think the number one reason it is that because Jesus did it, and certainly Jesus wasn't a monk, uh, rather Jesus felt that it was important to do. And so if it was important for Jesus to do, I would argue then it should be important to us as well as his followers. Um, but I, when I think about Jesus, it's not just the fact that he did. He did it, that he practiced silence and solitude. But I think it's the frequency in which we see him do that in Scripture. Uh, for example, we see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, uh, that says, uh, Then Jesus was led up. By the Spirit, into the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil, and so in this passage, the Spirit uh, which now indwells us as followers of Jesus, the Spirit leads Jesus out into this out into the desert for this extended period of time in which Jesus practices fasting and, and solitude. We also see in Matthew chapter fourteen verse twenty three which says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone." Now here in this passage, this is an intentional act by Jesus. He intentionally sends away this multitude of people that have been following him, but he also sends his disciples away so that he can be alone. Uh, And so clearly here, um, being alone and being silent before the Father is important to Jesus. We also see in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 35, which says, "...and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed." So here in this passage in Mark 1, uh, Jesus is deeply immersed in ministry. He has people flocking after him to be healed by him. And so because of that, early the next day, he makes the intentional effort before anyone can get to him to get away uh, you know, oftentimes when I think of my own mentality when it comes to ministry, particularly long days of ministry, uh, I often uh, sort of think that I'm due to to have a slow morning to myself. Yet that's not Jesus' response. Uh, he is in the thick of ministry, and it only drives him to, to get away more and to spend time alone with the Father. Uh, and then finally, I think of Passage like Luke chapter 4, verse 42, which says, When it was day, he departed and he went out into a desolate place. And again, here we see that people are flocking to Jesus, yet Jesus sees the need to get away. And I believe we should do the same. I believe that we are never so busy that we don't need time alone with God. Now, Mike, uh, what other reasons uh, could you offer?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the, um, exposing those verses in, in the Gospels, uh, showing how Jesus was so diligent in practicing this discipline that we, we often overlook. Um, but uh, Whitney mentions a handful of other important reasons for us to follow in his train. Uh, for instance, in times of silence, we can hear the voice of God better by getting away from earthly noise and, and human voices we can express worship to God during our God-focused stillness and hush. Then times of silence also demonstrate our faith in God rather than rushing into his presence with a fretful jumble of words. In fact, I often find myself sitting in silent awe for some time before I even begin to pray aloud. We practice silence to, to seek God for salvation from a certain circumstance in life, or for facing some difficulty. Just staying silent before God helps us to focus upon what He and He alone can do for us. Furthermore, silence allows us to, to seek restoration from the Lord, both physically and spiritually. I just think about how important this has been over the past year in the midst of the challenges of of COVID. Uh, People have chosen to turn to all types of things in the midst of the uncertainty over the pandemic when they really needed most to turn to the Lord in humility. We can also turn to the Lord in silence and solitude when we struggle with a particular sin. For example, if you're struggling with your, your tongue, Controlling your tongue, why don't you try practicing just not using it for a while and praying in silence to God and that when you do use your tongue, he might help you to use it in a way that that only glorifies him. And, you know, no doubt there are other reasons we should turn to the Lord in silence and solitude.
0: Yeah, I think all of those are wonderful ones. I think I would add one more. Uh, In the chance that there is someone that is listening now and and you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, just listen to the words of famed pastor Charles Spurgeon. He says, I commend solitude to any of you who are seeking salvation. First, that you may study well your case as in sight of God. Uh, Few men truly know themselves as they really are. Most people have seen themselves in a looking glass, but there is another looking glass which gives true reflections into which few men look. So to study oneself in the light of God's Word, and to carefully go over one's condition, examining both the inward and the outward sins, and using all the tests which are given to us in the scriptures would be a very healthy exercise, but how few of us care to go through it.
1: Well, that's good advice. Thank you, Mr. Spurgeon, for that. Now, Joshua, as we consider this this, uh, spiritual discipline, uh, let's get practical for a moment. Will you offer some words of advice to our audience on how they might practice silence in solitude?
0: Well, let me start um, by recognizing not everyone's schedule and responsibilities are the same. And so uh, the time that people can devote to this, to silence and solitude, uh, like with the other spiritual disciplines, uh, it's certainly going to vary from person to person. Um, Also, I believe that it is a skill that is developed with practice. And so with that in mind, let me start um, with a few small recommendations and then sort of move out from there. Uh, First, uh, I would say take very short retreats throughout the day. Uh, Perhaps this is just a a minute here and there to, to simply stop what you're doing, get away for the moment, and to be quiet and turn to God. Uh, Now, I certainly believe that anyone can do this, whether you're at home with kids or you're at work or uh, even if you're stopped at a stoplight on your way home. Uh, Second, uh, make it a daily uh, aim uh, to spend extended time in silence and solitude. Um, My recommendation, especially for parents, uh, is to do it early in the morning, like first thing in the morning. uh, And this can be in conjunction with the practice of other disciplines, like prayer and reading scripture and your studies. Uh, And then third, make it an intentional effort to, to get away. Um, Now, this one takes more planning. Uh, I remember back when I was a part of a church plant uh, just prior to getting out of the military back uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, And it was located in this growing community. There were homes that were popping up left and right around the church. And and not too far from the church, there was this uh, large rock formation. And so sometimes uh, some of the leaders from the church, we would uh, would get together and we would climb up that rock formation, or sometimes we would just go up there individually uh, and when you climb to the top of it, you could look around, and you could see for miles and miles and miles away. Uh, you could also see our church down there, and you would see all of the, the neighborhoods and the homes that God had put around the church. Uh, it was this great spot to be humbled at what God was doing and then reflect.
1: Why? That's great, <laughs> Joshua. I can just imagine what that looks like—sitting sta- or, or staying on top of a rock formation and and being in awe of what God has done, and just meditating, just stop in silence and taking it all in. So, uh, so let me add something though. Um, you've mentioned practice. Uh, uh, the practicing that was most beneficial was practicing um, practicing with believers I and mean, the believers actually practicing meditation and uh, all by themselves and you you join together uh, solitude and silence uh, but let me let me propose to you that there is a biblical example where the two are separated and that silence is actually joined, joined with other people so that uh, we actually practice our silence with others for their benefit and we see this example of this in the book of Job with his friends in Job 2.13 we read that uh, after the tragedy that had befallen Job where he'd lost everything Job's friends came and the Bible says and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and no one spoke a word to him for they saw his suffering was very great. I mean, I, I, think of that and I stop and I think wow seven days it's a full week Mm. not a word was said they just sat with him now we like to give job's friends a hard time and and for a good reason they really they really went off the wire with him but here at the beginning they uh they were doing some good stuff this is a beautiful picture they're ministering to this suffering friends and the lesson for us is that sometimes uh, it's best to practice with uh, with those who are suffering, practice silence. Uh, rather than make up a bunch of words or platitudes or say things, And we have to realize uh, words fail me to help my friend here. The best thing I can do is just sit with him in silence and let him know how much I love him and care for him just by being with him and not really actually saying anything.
0: Uh, Mike, that's a, such a great reminder, uh, especially to myself. I think so often I want to offer words of encouragement or even uh, advice, and sometimes the best thing you can offer is silence and friendship.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Joshua, as we finish up here, why don't you, why don't you pray for us?
0: Sure. Uh, silently. Uh, no how
1: about this time that you that you pray for us out loud you can pray in silence tomorrow morning
0: <laughs> okay um most gracious heavenly father um my prayer is simple uh father help us to to see how big you are and how small we are uh, and father may you use that to humble us uh, humble us even to the point of silence uh, and father as we're silent um May we reflect on who you are and what you've done in your word. And, uh, Father, I pray that that would give us a heart uh, to want to go out and to just be alone with you uh, and to bask in all you are and, uh, and, and who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, great. Um, I've got one more question for you, Mike. All right. Here we go. All right. So... What do you think is the most unpleasant-sounding word?
1: All right, Joshua, you go first this time.
0: Well, uh, the word that comes to mind is phlegm.
1: Phlegm. Phlegm.
0: Now it's not just the thought of what phlegm is, but I think when you when you really say it, you can even feel the phlegm, phlegm. coming up in your throat. So I think it's a disgusting word. What about you?
1: Yeah, well, um, I I thought about this. In fact, um, thank you for sending me the question ahead of time so I could be prepared for it this time. <laughs> um, regurgitate, mm. regurgitate. This is automo- almost and uh, and an, um, if I can get this word out, Um, um Uh, it's a word that sounds like what it means regurgitate yeah that's a bad sounding word to me I'm sorry
0: and we have a tendency to use it outside of regurgitating food as in regurgitating thoughts and words and it's kind of a disgusting thought yeah Yeah. well uh, thank you for joining me today and until next time Fairview may we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ